What's up, serotonin searchers? Welcome back to another episode of the Search for Serotonin podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Farrick. This week, things are going to be a little different on the podcast. So if you don't know, last episode was the 30th episode of the Search for Serotonin podcast, which is so cool to think about. It's so cool that we've been doing this for 30 weeks straight and I've been able to, you know, show up every week and put out some new content that, you know, people have been finding helpful regarding their mental health. So it's just been such a cool journey so far. But at the 30th episode, I wanted to wrap up season one um, just because, you know, season one was a lot of me sharing my story. And then I did have a lot of professional guests on to discuss various topics in the mental health field. I loved season one. I think it was a great foundation for this podcast. Um, but I wanted to really switch gears with the podcast and where it was going. Um, I wanted to take a little break from the podcast, you know, with like a season feel to it. Um, just so I can take a little bit of a break for myself because lately mentally I've been all over the place, you know, I'm generally very, you know, good and stable and things are good in my life but I've been adding a lot of extra pressure on myself that I don't really need to. Um, And with the podcast, you know, sometimes I get a little too narrowed in on stuff and it's hard for me to take a step back and remember, you know, why I'm doing this and how I want to do this and all this kind of stuff. So I think it's best for me to kind of do this little switch right now so I can figure some stuff out in my own life personally and get my mental state back to a good spot so then I can continue to show up for all of you and help put out a podcast that people want to listen to and are going to continue to benefit from. So with that being said, this week it is not going into season two. We're taking a little bit of an interim period. So this week it is not season one nor season two nor anything else. This week I'm re-releasing my episode on OCD versus OCPD. If longtime listener of the podcast are familiar with my earlier episodes, then they have definitely heard the OCD versus OCPD episode. It is one of my first few episodes. It's actually one of my top streamed episodes. You guys absolutely love streaming the OCD versus OCPD episode, which I find so ironic because when I originally recorded that episode, I was home with my family for Christmas. And I remember sitting upstairs in my sister's closet, recording that and re-recording it. And I probably did it about three or four times. And I came down after I was done and I told my mom, I was like, you know, mom, I, I hate it. It sounds terrible, but like at this point, I just need to put something out. And I did. And it's crazy that an episode that I wasn't really happy with ended up being one of my top listened to episodes. And it's been really helpful for a lot of people. So, you know, I want to get back to that being, you know, just doing my thing my way and doing it how I want to. And, you know, even if I don't think it's good enough, remembering that there's a lot of other people that this podcast is, you know, created for, and there's a lot of people who look forward to these kinds of resources. So, um, yeah, I want to reshare this episode with you guys. 
It is my last episode that I did in 2021. So you will hear me talk about, you know, the new year and stuff like that. Obviously it is now June of 2022. So um, yeah, so just keep that in mind when you're re-listening to the episode. Um, And next Monday, we will be back here for an OCD versus OCPD mini series. Since you guys love this episode so much, I thought, why not make it into a fun little mini series for the month of July? It's going to be me who is diagnosed with OCPD and my sister who is actually living with me for the summer. Her name is Olivia, and she's actually going to be my temporary co-host for this mini series. She is actually diagnosed with OCD. So we are going to do just a fun little mini series where you guys can get to know Olivia and me and her are going to just spend some time in July. Those weeks, we're going to play some games on the podcast, have some just more laid back, more fun, more natural conversations about our everyday experiences in the hopes that anyone out there who is struggling with OCD or OCPD or perfectionism or anxiety or anything like that, hopefully you guys can get some benefit out of here, how we handle situations and here, you know, what works for us in our lives. So hopefully then it can help all of you as well. All right. Well, here is the re-release of the OCD versus OCPD episode from earlier in season one, and I will see you all back here next Monday for our OCPD versus OCD miniseries. Hey, all of you beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of the Search for Serotonin podcast, a show about releasing the stigma surrounding mental health and finally finding your own happiness. I am your host, Carolyn Farrick, and I am sharing my most vulnerable stories around my own mental health journey in an open and authentic way to help you feel less alone in your struggles. We all deserve to be happy, and we don't need to find happiness alone. So welcome to the search committee. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the search for serotonin. How is everybody doing this week? I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday season. No matter what you celebrated, I just hope you had a really, really good time. I had a great Christmas with my family. Um, We're actually doing a little bit of a different Christmas this year because my older sister is pregnant and she is due any day now. So we are going to celebrate Christmas with her and my niece and her fiance later this week. But um, I got to spend Christmas with my parents and my other two sisters, and it was a really good time. If you listened to last week's episode, you know that the holidays aren't always the easiest time for me, but releasing last week's episode really helped me kind of process those negative feelings and emotions and all the shame that I was hiding around the holiday season, and it kind of lifted that burden off of me this year because... Those experiences are something that I've talked about with my therapist and I've told a few people in my life, but really opening up about them and just getting everything out that I needed to in last week's episode, it really helped me feel a lot better and it kind of just took all the worry away. 
So this Christmas, I was actually able to just be in the moment, be present, not think about the past and all the shitty things that I've gone through. And I was actually just able to have a really great day with my family. And we <laughs> we always spend Christmas in our pajamas at home. We don't get dressed up. We don't go anywhere. We open presents and then we make mimosas. We eat a bunch of food and then we lay around and watch Christmas movies and just kind of hang out for the day. So I wouldn't have it any other way. I love having my holiday like that with my family and we had a really good time this year. So I hope you guys all had a really great holiday. So now that Christmas has passed, a lot of us still are probably in the holiday season depending on what you celebrate, but then New Year's is also coming up. So there is a lot of anticipation around that. So once again, I just want everybody to take some time to check in with themselves, you know, because the holidays can be very overwhelming. And sometimes when you are around your family or friends or whoever you're spending this holiday with, it's hard to, in the moment, remember to check in with yourself and make sure that you are doing everything you need to do for yourself. So just take this time once again to have a little internal moment with yourself, see how you're feeling, see if there's anything that you need to do for yourself to help you mentally. This Christmas, I was feeling really anxious with all of the craziness of being home and the holiday season. I haven't been taking my meds, so that has made my anxiety get really bad. And instead of letting it kind of ruin my Christmas and take over my holiday, anytime my heart started to race a little bit faster or I started to worry or I started to kind of feel my palms sweating, I would just kind of take a moment acknowledge those feelings and then take a moment to breathe or take a moment to, you know, jot some things down in my notes app and then dealing with it right then and there in the moment helped me kind of put it away and then continue with my day so I wasn't continuing to feel anxious. So just take that time, check in with yourselves and I just wanted to let all of you know that I'm really proud of you for making it through another holiday season. I am so proud of you for continuing doing what you're doing and for you to still be here and just keep showing up for yourself is amazing. So that's awesome and I'm super proud of you guys. So this week I wanted to talk to you guys about one of my most recent diagnoses which is OCPD. So I was diagnosed with OCPD about a year ago, and I was diagnosed because I was actually talking to my therapist, and I was just telling him, you know, normal things about my every day-to-day -day life, and he asked me if I had ever heard of OCPD, which I had not, and he told me it was a personality disorder that had to do with perfectionism. So he gave me a very brief description, and he told me that I should look into it because he thought it was something that I had. And at the time, I didn't really look any more into it. He said it was a perfectionist disorder. So I was like, okay, cool. That's something I already knew. I kind of knew I was a perfectionist. Um, so I didn't think I had to do any more research about it. And that was that. And so, like I said, that was about last November, December. But then over this summer, after I broke my foot, I started to see a lot of symptoms coming out that had to do with OCPD and the perfectionism. And it started to put some strains on my relationship with my boyfriend. And I didn't know why I was acting the way I was acting or I was getting angry about the things that I was getting angry about. And I didn't know what to do anymore. 
So I started talking to my therapist and she told me, maybe you should look into a little bit more research. Maybe you should consider, you know, diving deeper into that. And so I did. And I found this really great fact sheet from the International OCD Foundation, really just breaking down OCPD and how it differs from OCD. And after I read through this quick two-page fact sheet, I was shocked. (laughs) I was surprised because every line I was like, that's me. That's me. That's how I feel. That's how I act. That's what I do. And it really tied together a lot of loose ends that I didn't know why I was acting a certain way that I couldn't identify under anxiety or depression. So really learning about this disorder helped me in my own life because then I was able to bring this up to my therapist and talk about the different symptoms and the things that I was experiencing. And then we were able to figure out a way for me to move forward and deal with these feelings so I didn't get to the level where I was getting angry and it wasn't impacting my relationship as much. So before we jump into symptoms and breaking down OCPD versus OCD, I, as always, am going to bring you some statistics. So I feel like everybody has heard about OCD, and that is obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, And like I said, I didn't know what OCPD, which means obsessive compulsive personality disorder, I didn't know what that was until I got my diagnosis. And I've never heard anybody else talk about OCPD ever, honestly. So I didn't think it was really common and I didn't think it was something a lot of people dealt with. So about 1.2% of the population um, is diagnosed with OCD and then up to as much as 7.9% of the population is diagnosed with OCPD. So I don't know if there's just not enough information about OCPD or if people don't get diagnosed as often. I couldn't find specifics about Um, diagnosis and things like that. But I did find that about 20% of the people who have OCD also have OCPD. So, you know, maybe people who get diagnosed with OCD, they think that's just all of the symptoms that come along with it, and they don't realize that some of those tendencies could be also OCPD. Um, When you break down that number, that percentage of 7.9% of the population, that breaks down to about one in every 100 people in the United States is estimated to have OCPD. So that's, you know, more common than you think it would be. And then I also found that OCPD is diagnosed in twice as many men as in women. So whereas depression is more common in women than men, OCPD is more prevalent in men than women. So what is OCD? We're going to start with that one so we know what we're comparing OCD, OCPD to. Sorry, guys. I, I have a lot of anxiety today, and I am dealing with a lot of acronyms here, so I might get a little tongue-tied, um, but just bear with me. So OCD, like I said, is obsessive-compulsive disorder. An individual with OCD is going to have frequent upsetting thoughts or obsessions in a more common term, Um, and they are going to feel controlled by repeating particular behaviors or compulsions, and they need to do those things in order to kind of settle 
those obsessions and it can spark a lot of anxiety in people um, because these obsessions and compulsions are intrusive and they're not wanted and they are reoccurring. So with OCPD, people tend to follow a lot of patterns or, you know, a common thing that people always say with OCD is flipping the light switch on and off a certain amount of times until you can actually just turn it off and walk away. Um, so people with OCD have this awareness of their obsessions. They know that these obsessions might not always be reasonable, but it's something that they can't control. And I actually have one of my sisters who struggles with OCD and she's aware of it. She knows, you know, her compulsions and obsessions and when they pop up, but she can't control what is going on and she has to do these things or else she feels like something bad's going to happen. And so that's kind of what it feels like to have OCD where you are aware that this is happening and you're aware of how it's affecting your day-to-day -day life, but it's something that you can't stop. So OCPD is um, when you think your way of doing things is the right and best way. And you tend to get caught up with routines, procedures, following rules, making lists, all that kind of stuff. Um, even if those routines and everything that you're doing is not the most efficient way of doing things, you still think, well, this is my way of doing it and this is the best and only way of doing it. People with OCD tend to be over-controlling um, and that can have an impact on their relationships. So personal relationships, friendships, work relationships, um, your family relationships, it can affect all aspects of your life um, because you want them to conform to the rules that you have in place. So you can get so focused on following those rules that you have that it can kind of create this disconnect between you and the people in your life. So like I said, the main thing with OCPD is the perfectionism and it interferes with your ability to complete tasks. With me, I have this idea if it's not perfect, then why do it? You know, why do something if it's not going to be right and perfect and the best thing the first time you do it? So that is why I put off doing a lot of things if I know it's something that is new to me or isn't necessarily something that I completely understand because I'm more afraid of the idea of it not being perfect than I am of just trying it out. So the perfectionism can also include, you know, a rigid following of moral or ethical codes. You can have hoarding behaviors um, and then you can also have this fixation of list making or rule, fo rule following. Um, list making is a big one for me. I always am making lists and I put a lot of pressure on those lists because, you know, everything on the list has to get done and everything on the list has to get done in a certain order. And what if the list doesn't get done today? Then, you know, it adds all of this added kind of stress and, and then it kind of turns into that anger, like I mentioned. Um, so that is another common thing because of that perfectionism and that strict need to have moral and ethical um, standards, you know, it makes it hard for other people to work or live with people who have OCPD. Um, 
because of their style of operating. You know, when I work somewhere, I always feel like I have tried to be the best. You know, I want to get everything done and I want to get it done in the best way possible. And I want to get it done right the first time. And for someone who doesn't have OCPD, it looks like the person who has OCPD who is trying to overachieve and do all of those things and do it perfectly, it makes them look like an ass kisser or, you know, a suck up or any other term that just says they're trying to do it, you know, and they're trying to make the rest of us look bad. But that's not the case. You know, I could never control those things. I felt like I always had to do what was right and I had to do what the rules said and I couldn't stray away from that. And I never understood why. I never got that. And then reading and hearing about OCPD really just made it clicked. And it wasn't because of anything with me. It was because of the OCPD. So like I said, people with OCD tend to feel more anxious when things aren't the way they want them to be. And OCPD people feel more angry when things aren't the way that they believe they should be. So with OCD, it's a little bit more anxiety associated, whereas OCPD, it just festers into this anger. And when I started looking into my own OCPD, like I said, I was getting really angry. And I'm not an angry person. I don't get angry. I try not to be angry. I like to think of myself as a positive person. I like to think of myself as, you know, someone who wants to uplift other people. And so for me to get into this angry pattern where I was kind of blowing up and I didn't know why, and it was over the most minor things, I just got to a point where I broke down crying because I you know, didn't want to live in that environment where I didn't know when I was going to blow up next. And I didn't want my boyfriend to live in that environment where, you know, he didn't know what was going to set me off either. And so that was really hard. And the anger is really what kind of drove me to looking more into this and getting the help that I needed. Um, so people with OCD don't like their obsessions and compulsions, and they willingly seek help because, like I said, they're aware of it. They know what's going on. Whereas people with OCPD, they believe that they're living their lives in the best way possible. You know, they have those morals and they are following rules, you know, and they're proud of what they're doing. They don't understand that they have a disorder. So they only tend to seek help when they're forced to buy a partner or when they become so depressed from trying to live to, you know, these really high unattainable standards that they can't go on like that any longer, that's when they'll start to seek help. And so like it's like, so like I said, you know, a partner is the one that kind of pushes you into getting help. And in my situation, my boyfriend doesn't push me into getting help. He lets me do everything on my own terms. He is very supportive. He is very patient. He is very calm. I have been dating him for almost two years now, and I've never seen him get angry with me and my mental health. And he's just, you know, just a great person to have in my life because he was very patient with me through all of this. He just wanted to help me get through it and understand it. And so I kind of took it upon myself because I didn't want to keep living like that. I wanted to be better for me. But it also was a big factor that, you know, I'm living with him and that was really putting a damper on our relationship. So I wanted to kind of get help also for him. 
Um, so he didn't push me and it said people get pushed by their partner. Um, but that's not the only way to realize that you need help. So what causes OCPD? Um, in my research, I found that there's not any specific cause identified. Um, there are a lot of theories as to why OCPD comes about. So, you know, you may have been raised by parents who maybe were unavailable or they were really controlling or maybe they were very protective and had very strict rules of their own or a very strict way of doing things. Um, if you were a child and maybe you were harshly punished, if you didn't uh, adhere to those rules, um, that could lead to OCPD. And then they said OCPD could be brought on as a way of coping, like the OCPD person wants to become perfect and obedient. And that was really true to me because, you know, I, I love my parents. My parents are great. But my dad, he, you know, had a very specific way of doing things. And when we were kids, it was, you know, you did it right. You did it his way or you know, it was wrong and it wasn't good enough. And so that's kind of where I feel like I developed that tendency to start being perfect. And like they said, they use the word obedient. That's not a word that I would pull to talk about it. Um, but I would learn, you know, what's the best possible way to do this to avoid any room for error. So I kind of started to do that at home with my family. You know, when I was interacting with my sisters, I was like, how do I do something perfect the first time and then avoid all of those errors? And then that carried over into me at school. You know, how do I do things perfectly so teachers don't get mad at me or things like that? And then it just started to spread. And when I started to work when I was older, it went into my work life and all of that. Um, so that one for causes really resonated with me. The research that I found said genetics could play a role, but that really didn't have a lot of information on it. It wasn't well studied enough. Um, and then also something else that really resonated with me is that cultural factors such as religion could play a part as well. So if you had strict rules imposed on you early in your life that had to do with religion that kind of limited your ability to kind of personally express yourself because in religion it's a lot of uniformity and they have these certain set of rules and these certain set of ways of doing things so like i said i went to catholic school and i had that fear of going to hell so always wanting to be the best person i could be and follow all of the rules because that was what was associated as being a good person at that time in my life um so that was a really interesting cause to me because I felt like my religious background also played a part in that as well. And that fear of going to hell or not being a good person was all associated. So just those culmination of things really, I think, is what led to me developing this high level of OCPD. And for you, maybe you resonate with those things. Maybe you don't. Um, I suggest, you know, always doing your own research because there's so much more information out there. I just can't fit it all into one episode. <laughs> so just to name a couple more symptoms of OCPD. So like I mentioned, you have that excessive need to excel in work. 
So you always want to do better at work or you are thinking about being the best at work so you can move up in the company. And then maybe you put work over your friends or you put work over spending time with your family. And that can be a common symptom. Like I said, that excessive fixation of list rules or attention to detail, you just get focused in on the little minor things that aren't always the things that need to be focused on, um, but that's what the perfectionism goes to. OCPD can also interfere with tasks. Um, you're maybe wanting to take control of those tasks. You don't want to assign any additional tasks to anyone else. You kind of are doing it solo. You don't trust other people to do work. Um, so for me, this was a lot of times in college group projects. When I had a group, I would just kind of take charge and I would kind of start doing all of the work and I wouldn't let other people do things because I knew my way was better and I was going to get it done and I would get us a good grade and then everyone else could kind of just put their name on it. And that was not really the best thing for me, especially in college. Um, but that's how I felt with my OCPD. I didn't like think anyone else could do it up to my standards. So even if my way wasn't the best way, like I said, you know, that's how I felt. And you can have a lack of generosity when it comes to OCPD and you can be really, really frugal without having any reason to be frugal. Um, you can have hoarding behaviors on the flip side. So instead of being like frugal, you can also be a hoarder. And as always, you know, if you don't meet all of these symptoms, that doesn't mean, you know, you're not diagnosed with OCPD. Um, you can only have a few or some of these symptoms. I personally resonate with almost all of these symptoms at one point in my life. So that's why for me, it was really easy to identify because it was cut and dry, you know, but other people might only experience certain symptoms. So as always, if you think you're somebody struggling with this, please, please, please talk to a trained professional. All right, so what are some treatments for OCPD? Like I said, I talked to my therapist about it. I didn't get on any additional medication or anything like that. I just had to work with my therapist to find techniques and coping mechanisms to work for me in my own life. I had to kind of take a step back and acknowledge, you know, just because someone's not doing things my way doesn't mean that it's not getting done or it's not the same result, you know? So I had to learn how to release control and get okay with releasing control because I needed to do that to have a partnership and to have a relationship and it wasn't easy and it's not like this got solved in a week or this is something that I still deal with. It's just it's not getting to the point where I'm exploding every week over one minor detail. But you also just have to kind of pick and choose your battles with OCPD. You have to know when it's important to kind of make sure things are done in that perfectionist standard. But other times you have to realize that, okay, this isn't a big enough thing to get mad over or start a fight over. And if it's not done my way and it might be a little bit messy in my opinion, but it's still getting done, then that's something that I had to just start learning how to deal with. And like I said, my therapist really helped me with that. 
Um, and it's still something that we talk about and check in about. So therapy has been the best thing for me. You can get on certain types of medication to help with OCPD. So if that's something that you're interested in, once again, go talk to a psychiatrist or a doctor or a trained professional who can get you that prescription. And then there are different breathing techniques or relaxation exercises that can really help with OCPD. So for me, with anxiety and OCPD, I feel like sometimes some of the symptoms kind of mix together in me. So I always thought, you know, my anxiety, my need to kind of anticipate what's coming next. I wanted to have that level of perfectionism, like I said, because I didn't want to be wrong or I didn't want to, you know, disappoint anybody. And so learning how to relax in those situations instead of letting the anxiety and the perfectionism take hold is to really just be in the moment, take some breaths, do what you got to do, step away if you need to. Like I would start to feel myself getting angry again and I would have to just say, I can't do this right now. I want to talk about this, but I just need to step away and I would go into a separate room. I would let myself feel those emotions. A lot of the times I would cry because I was just so upset because I didn't want to feel that way and just getting those emotions out, calming myself down, and then going back and then revisiting the situation with a clear mind and a fresh perspective really helped avoid those blow-ups. And then I was able to talk it out logically and rationally and calmly, and then I was able to move on from it. So that's something that really, really, really helped me. All right. So I wanted to keep this week's episode kind of short because like I said, we are going into the new year. Um, It's still the holiday season. Everyone's kind of busy right now. Um, So I just wanted to give everybody some information about OCPD because like I said, I found it to be really helpful for me and I hope you guys find this information helpful as well. Um, So like I said, as always, my research for this episode will be linked in the show notes. If you resonated with the things that I said about OCPD, please check out that fact sheet. Um, That will be in there. And then also, um, I will have additional mental health resources linked in the show notes as well. So if anybody just needs some additional support this holiday season, that information is in there for all of you as well. But yeah, I wanted to keep this episode short so we can all just go about our last week of 2021, and then we will be back the first Monday of 2022. Um, I want to have a therapy session with you guys because I usually have therapy on Saturdays, and since both holidays fall on a Saturday, my therapist is not working. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of do a little therapy episode, um, make it just more of a conversation with you guys to kick off 2022. So yeah, I hope everybody has a wonderful New Year's. Please be safe. Please have a great time, and I'll see you guys all in 2022.